Today, I'm excited to be joined by a super talented singer-songwriter out of Victoria, British Columbia. Happy holidays to everyone tuning in. It's Randy Halsey here with Backstage Pass Radio. And today I am joined by an empathic storyteller and a prolific songwriter that has a couple of new singles out. Let's head out to the Northwest and chat with my pal David Bradford, and we will do that right after this. This is Backstage Pass Radio, the podcast that's designed for the music junkie with a thirst for musical knowledge. Hi, this is Adam Gordon, and I want to thank you all for joining us today. Make sure you like, subscribe, and turn alerts on for this and all upcoming podcasts. And now, here's your host of Backstage Pass Radio, Randy Halsey. David Bradford, welcome to the show, brother. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thanks for being here. First of all, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Steph for kind of uh, turning me on to your music. She spoke a lot of, of you and, and the music, and she's like, you got you to check them out. You got to get them on the show. So we made that happen, man. Here we are, and thanks for being here. I appreciate you. Yeah, no, I appreciate her uh, throwing my hat in for you. Yeah, for sure. And so talk to me just a little bit about how long you've been in this musical game, man. What's, how long has this been going on for you? Oh, it's been uh, well over 20 years. Yeah, I mean, I picked up the uh, first guitar, I guess I picked up when I was, I was 13. And uh, I think it was my mom's uh, old 12 string that was buried in the, uh, in the closet under the stairs, basically. And, you know, I, I, I had started writing poetry when I was, when I was a kid. Um, and I think I just kind of looked at the guitar and, and found it as a way to, to kind of get my words out there a bit better. And so I, I just grabbed the guitar and I just started strumming, didn't really know what I was doing and started just kind of creating some, some songs. And they were obviously very, very terrible, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you, you gotta start somewhere. And then I remember, I remember passing, I think it just kind of uh, fell by the wayside a bit. And then I remember passing uh, uh, guitar center in, uh, I guess it would have been in Arlington. Texas. And, um, I, you know, I asked my father, I said, I, I really want to play the electric guitar. And, and then he proceeded to uh, set me up with a fitness contract. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see where some of my life has been spent as a professional weightlifting coach. So, yeah, so I had to, I had to run a certain amount of miles, do a certain amount of pushups, certain amount of setups, pull-ups, whatnot. And then I could get a guitar. So I got the guitar, started uh, started just playing around on it, making you know horrible sounds with it, and uh, started getting guitar lessons, getting a little bit better, and started writing from there. And I just fell in love with it. And it was something that I just uh, just kind of called out to me, and, and something that just kind of locked me in, uh, for better or for worse. Um, I think for for a lot of people, when they get wrapped in with music, it can be a bit of a, it can have a, a duality to the relationship. Yeah. You know, sometimes you feel like it's a, a curse and, and a gift. Sure. Because it's something that you can't let go of and never lets go of you. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I to me, it always began with, with lyrics. Um, so I think that was something that was always of the utmost importance to me when I was writing a song. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of help throughout the years with uh, a lot of really talented songwriters and guiding me and, and aiding me in developing my craft. And yeah. um, after all that time, I feel like it's, it's really paid off in a lot of ways. So. 
but yeah, it's been a, it's been definitely been a long road. Yeah, well, well, we'll definitely get into a little bit more about your music, and um, it's very versatile. But yeah, we'll we'll get more into that. But I was gonna say it's interesting that you know somebody starting out on a twelve string. I could have thought of a, a little bit easier of an instrument <laughs> to start out on myself, but uh, maybe you're just that caliber of player. I don't know, but uh, no, that's that twelve not. string can uh, be a sure uh, ass whipping uh, <laughs> learning to play on for sure. I, I, you know, I think it, it's fitting. It, it, it fits the, the rest of my path so far. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, no easy way out. Yeah, me, so. right. Um, which is which is good, though. I mean, you know, as tough as it is uh, in the present to experience things like that, it, it, it definitely yields great benefits. Well, you know, you know what they say. They, they've always said, if you can play it on an acoustic, you can play it on anything. And I would say that yeah. about the 12 string. If you can play any song on the 12 string, the sixth string is just twice as easy to do, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true, man. Well, yeah, would you sure. would you say that you are predominantly an acoustic artist, or are you an electric artist as well? Talk to me a little bit about that. It's really become more about the acoustic for me. I mean, I, I love I love playing the electric. You know, when I had bands that I was performing with, you know, I did play a lot of electric, and you know, and I've and I've gone from you know playing. Uh, metal bands, hard rock bands, and, 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 you know, I write pretty much everything. So it all feels quite natural. The, the, the thing I love about the acoustic guitar though, is it's, it's just, it has something that's, that's, uh, seems to almost feel soulful. Yes. Uh, I mean, electric guitar does that as well, but there's something about the acoustic guitar that feels a bit more raw. Yes. Uh, and it's more, you know, touches on, true songwriter to me you know when you grab somebody that has you can get up there and I mean, rip on the, the electric guitar it's great but when you have to stand up in front of everybody with just an acoustic guitar there's no place to hide you're exposed for sure yeah, yeah. and i like that i like that quality especially when you know when you're performing one of your original works it's it's exposing your own personal diary so i think yeah i think the acoustic guitar matches that vulnerability I 150% agree with what you said. The local artists that I have on my show come into the studio and I always set up a mic, uh, a vocal mic and a, and a guitar mic and have them pick two or three songs to play live, uh, you know, which is nice in, in the setting. And the music always resonates so much better not only in person, but just the artist and the guitar. Because again, like you said, there's n there's no fabricating the music. You can't hide behind it. It's as raw as it gets, and it's coming straight from the heart, just like Brian Adams said. And yeah. it and it, it exposes the artist to vulnerability, and they they just put everything out there with the acoustic. So it's a it's a cool instrument, and and I like you. You know, I was the rock pig back in the 80s, long hair, playing in the bands, and something happened. I stopped playing the acoustic, I mean, the electric, and I bought my first acoustic, and I have some cool electrics in here, tellies and, and whatnot. I just don't play them. I, I'm, an <laughs> I'm an acoustic guy, and it, it yeah. weirds my son out, who is a phenomenal electric and acoustic player. Dad, why don't you play that those tellies and you know that 
Dude, I don't, I don't, I just don't care. I don't get the same enjoyment out of them that I do the acoustic. I'm an acoustic guy. So that's why I wanted to ask you, you know, are you an acoustic guy predominantly or do you mix it up or kind of what the deal was, right? Yeah, no, totally. Uh, You know, I, I, uh, I just perform, um, I just perform solo now. Yeah. Um, So obviously in that case, uh, the the acoustic uh, guitar is, is obviously a bit, easier to, to, to perform with as a solo artist, uh, sounds a bit better. Uh, I mean, electric you can get away with, but not for, not for three hours. So. Exactly. Now, are you doing, when you're doing your shows, are you strictly originals or are you, you blending any covers in there? Like, is there a mix for you? Talk to me a little bit about the format of a typical David Bradford show. Yeah, I, I try to, uh, I mean, if it was, if it was up to me, I would, I would just perform originals the entire time. But, uh, you know, of course you want people to have some familiarity, you know, it's something that they can really connect with because they don't know your stuff yet. Um, I try to do the first set, um, just as originals. And then from there, I I usually just start mixing it, but, uh, it kind of depends on the audience and the crowd and, and what everybody's vibing on. And you just try to read everybody as best you can and, and adapt when you feel like it's it's best i mean because you know when it all is said and done you are performing you are a performer um so it, it is less about you at that point and it's more about the crowd the song, people, yeah so, yeah sure yeah. absolutely yeah. well i think you had mentioned um at what at one time you were what around 90 shows a year and i don't know if that was pre-covid post-covid but have you seen that pick up since, you know, COVID has kind of somewhat released its stranglehold? I, I know it's a little different up in BC. Like you mentioned that you guys really just got open back up. But uh, what, what have you seen change since then versus before? It's a bit different for me because we've been in Victoria for two years now, just a little over two years. So I, I can't speak to what the scene was like before I got here. Pre-COVID, yeah, I was doing about 110 plus shows a year. Okay. Uh, so, but that was when I was just doing it full time. And that was about four or five years of that. Um, and then obviously pandemic hit. And, you know, I had to pivot a bit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, so I was, I was more linked in with the Calgary scene at okay. that time. Okay. There's a lot of good great, wonderful music in, in Calgary. Uh, Victoria is great. Really enjoyed it out here. It's getting fairly busy, you know, but nothing like I was doing before. It's a little bit tougher uh, when you don't have all of your time to dedicate to, to performing. But, you know, I'm still trying to do anywhere from, you know, four to six gigs a month. Okay. Like okay. I was going to say, is that 90, 90 a year? Is that a pretty good what you consider a pretty good load for you? Is that on the heavy side for a guy that works full time or is that uh, on the, on the lighter side? I, yeah. Sorry. Sorry to cut in. No, you're good. Um, yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know if I can pull that off just because of the fact that I do uh, carpentry work and it's a bit, you know, labor intensive. So, you know, I think my, my body gets, uh, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting up there in age too. Right. So it's, <laughs> boy, you're a relic, man. You look like you're going on 103 years old there, David. But yeah, so it's, it, it is, uh, you know, it is a real factor, uh, obviously. I mean, you know, when you're, when you're a young buck and you're, you're 24, uh, obviously recovery is a lot higher, yeah. a lot quicker turnaround, but 
I'm pretty good though for my endurance and of course continuing to stay active and, and fairly fit helps a lot, you know, when you're singing. Um, obviously the the better in shape you are, the easier it is for you to to kind of uh power through a lot of long endurance uh, performances and, and whatnot. So Absolutely. Years of development too, right? So Yeah, I could see how having a you know, a physically demanding job would be tough you know, for a musician, because I'm sure that you load in and load out on your own, like nobody's carrying your gear around. Right. <laughs> no, so, no, so we, we don't have that luxury. And I was going to say, when you get to my age, you get tired, just getting out of bed in the mornings. Right. So, <laughs> the, you know, you have to, uh, you have to take all of that into consideration. When did you know that songwriting would be an important part of what defines you? Like, did, were you, I guess you mentioned, I think, 13 years old. Did you know, know at an early age this is kind of what you, you wanted to do or what you needed to be doing? Yeah, I would say about 14 was when it, it kind of struck me. It was just something, like I said, it felt like a calling. I don't, I don't, I don't understand exactly. You know, it's kind of ineffable, but, uh, you know, it's something, it's something that, uh, I don't know, it, it, it was – it was just a part of me that almost was unearthed by discovering that's that songwriter aspect to myself. And, you know, I, so I think it was just, it was just right out of the gates fairly early on that, that it was, uh, you know, the guitar was important to me and it was, it was vital that I continued to pursue it. Sure. Were there things in life other than just like growing growing up as a kid that that you felt helped gravitate you towards music or was it just an organic thing for you that you know i saw mom and her guitar and i just picked it up and started playing it was was it pretty much that simple for you well you know i mean i uh i don't want to get too dark but (laughs) when I, i you know i had uh um some issues, mental health stuff, you know, growing up, even, even when I was, when I was, uh, just a kid, um, you know, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff that I was contending with. We had a very religious upbringing. So both of my parents were, were coming from pretty in, intense, uh, upbringings themselves. Okay. So, uh, and of course, you know, you know how it is, uh, in Texas, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, religion in, yep. in, in most things yeah. um, that you're surrounded by. It's that kind of that environment. And of course, around that time I was dealing with, with my mom who was, who was terminally ill. Okay. So it was something that, that I was trying to contend with myself. Okay. And of course being, being so young, you don't really know how to deal with a big issue like that. Yeah. So I think for me, you know, being able to, to write out my poetry and, and, and write things on, on my guitar. It was really a necessary catharsis. And, you know, I was a very introverted child as well. Okay. So I wasn't, I didn't have like a big social circle. I didn't have a lot of people that I was reaching out to for support. It was mostly internalized. Okay. And so I think, I think music, really obviously resonated with that because it was something that I could do as, as a form of just personal therapy. So, yeah, I think it was, it was almost, uh, you know, a bit of a saving grace. I think I've asked this question of multiple guests that said, you know, I, I love poetry. I love to write poetry. 
I take you back to your school days and have to ask you, were you good at English in school? Did you love writing papers in school? And and it's funny, before you answer that, I asked a buddy of mine who was on my show uh, the same question, and he said, hell no. He said, I hated English in school. I hated <laughs> writing papers, but I loved to write poetry. What what was the story for you? Was it much of the same or, or totally different? Did you enjoy writing in school? Well, I did enjoy writing in school. I didn't enjoy school. Well, that neither did I. Yeah. yeah. Did. Anyway, that's another story. We, we yeah, weren't so smart like Stephanie. So anyway, go ahead. Carry on with your story there. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, it was definitely always my favorite subject. And, and my, my dad is, is definitely a, a very talented writer. So I think I probably got a bit of that pension from him. But it's, it's something that I always thought was was a ton of fun. And, and I loved, you know, writing like even just kind of fantasy stories or uh, short stories. And, and but poetry was 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 incredible to me because uh, it was so musical in itself. Okay. So I think that's why it was such a, a natural organic evolution to, to getting into an, an instrument. Gotcha. I just I, I liked it. Yeah, it was it was nice. Okay. I don't know why my mind just went to a, a place in time back in my school days where I remember in intermediate school, um, I had a I don't even remember, maybe a history teacher. His name was Mr. Johnston. And I remember getting in trouble in his class every day and the punishment he would make you get out a dictionary and the punishment was he would give you what he called pages. So he'd say, all right, Randy, you owe me four pages. So you'd literally have to just open the dictionary or the, you know, the dictionary or whatever, and just start writing the dictionary on paper. And, and that's, (laughs) that was the punishment. So I was going to say, I was like a perfected writer back in school because that's all I did was, was write uh, pages from the dictionary because I stayed in trouble all the time. So that, that was the extent of my writing career uh, back in school. No, I well, think it's a, good, it's a good thing you got yourself in trouble so much. Exactly. Right. <laughs> At least I learned a few extra words along the way, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I, I read a little bit about uh, you having a catalog of something in excess of uh, maybe 500 songs and that you were kind of a, a song a day writer. Do you ever feel like the songs ever start to kind of overlap and what do you do to kind of come up with new ideas? I mean, when you're writing 500, 600, 700 songs, there's got to be some overlap somewhere, right? And so how do you, do you feel that a lot of overlap or, and how do you get around that? How do you get inspired to maybe not overlap songs? Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't stress about it very much and, and I don't, I don't fixate on, on some of those smaller details. I mean, I know what you mean because it, it, it certainly happens. I don't look at it as an overlap. I look at it more as just, you know, evolution okay. part of the process. Yeah, um, you know, I think it's, you know, and sometimes what you can do is, is I look at it more as it, it's almost like if you were, if you were watching a, a, a trilogy series and you, and you saw something that was a callback to, to one of the earlier films. Okay. I feel like it, it can be used as that, you know. I mean, for example, if you're if you're using a word a lot, like uh, Kirk Cobain used the the word silver a lot. Okay. 
you know, I think it's one of those things where it's, it can just be used as more of a callback. And, and, and I think as a, as a writer, you can, you can always go back and look at that and reorganize things. So maybe it doesn't feel stilted. It, it, it does feel fresh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think as far as producing, you know, a, a, such a big number of songs, you know, it, it's, it's, it's actually, uh, it's cool because sometimes I'll, I'll feel like I'm, I may be blocked for new stuff. And then I go back, you know, a few years and I go, Oh, Oh yeah, that song. Oh, Oh, that song. Oh, that song. And you say, Oh, that was a really good song or whatever. And, and, uh, you know, I might even just go back and, and rewrite it a bit because I'm, I'm sure. better now than I was then. Sure. I think the most I've ever done in a day was, it was about six or seven songs in a day. And, wow. Um, it just kind of depends when the muse knocks and, and, you know, you listen and, and, uh, it, it can be for me, I write, uh, I don't have one particular method. I think it's, uh, it's pretty, I keep it pretty open. You know, it can be, um, I've had a ton of dream songs, you know, where you wake up and yeah. you've written in your sleep or you've had a melody in the middle of the night that you record on a voice note. You know, it can be something kind of menial through the day. You know, maybe I'm, I'm at work, you know, we're building a house and then I, boom, a melody pops into my head. And so sometimes I have the compressor in the background of the voice notes, but <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then it, you know, I, I love actually one of my favorite techniques is, is also just, just coming up with a cool title, something that I feel like really sounds neat or, or it's taking something that, uh, you know, is kind of an everyday saying and then I turn it into a song. Sure. But yeah, I think, you know, as far as them getting kind of mixed, mixed up or mixed in, I kind of take that as, as not being a bad thing. So, sure. Yeah. Is there a process for you in the songwriting process? Does it begin with a melody for you? Does it begin with a lyric or yes to all of those questions? Yes. To all. Okay. Yeah. So it, it will be. Totally dependent on, on what the muse has to offer. You know, it can be uh, a melody that you just just pops into your head. It can, like I said, it can be something you, you dreamt. It could be it could be something that you know I've listened to somebody else's song and then I heard something in their song that they didn't hear, and then I can take that and I turn it into one of my own. Okay. You know, sometimes it's just looking at chord progressions from your from a couple of your favorite songs, and and then something pops in for you. Um, sure. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty open-ended. I like to do it that way. And I don't like to put any pressure on any of the, the songs that, you know, for me, they'll, they'll come when they come and they'll, they'll finish when they're, they're done. Yeah. But yeah. Is it a structured thing for you to write? Do you, because I, but I've, I've heard it from both sides of the fence. So I, when I was talking with Michael Sweet of Striper and, uh, he spent six years as a lead singer for the band Boston. He said, I have a time of day that I wake up, I do this, I do that at 10 o'clock or whatever that magic time is. I sit down and I write. Is it that way for you or does the mood just have to come organically and it hits you like, I just feel like writing right now. And then tomorrow at the same time, you may not give a damn about writing anything. Is Which way does it flow for you? Yeah, I am a bit structured when it comes to that. So okay. I would be more similar to, to the way he does things. Okay. Um, I, you know, especially when I was doing it full time, I, I would get up, I'd grab my cup of coffee and it was writing time. It was, it was something that I carved out. Uh, you know, there was a lot of discipline behind it. Now, um, with the, a bit more going on, I make sure that basically as soon as I get home from work, 
I sit down with my guitar and I, and I try to dedicate, you know, 45 minutes to an hour before I have to head out and do some other stuff like the gym or, or, you know, the dog or something like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I think it's important to have a bit of that structure and to have developed that discipline and to, you know, even if I'm not, you know, super intentional, I think it's important for me to sit down and flex those muscles and grab the guitar. And even if nothing comes of it that day, you know, it's, it's important for me to keep, to keep flexing my brain and to, yeah. to keep my chops up. Yeah. If you don't use it, you lose it, right? That, there's an yeah, advantage there's to, that. to that. Yeah. yeah. And, and do you do you find that when you write, you have to have the guitar in your hand, or can you just sit down with a piece of paper and a and a pen and just write? I prefer to have the guitar in my hand. Okay. Yeah. It's it's you know I mean I I can I can do it without it, but there is uh, there's a a real connection that I have with holding the guitar. I understand. Um, you know, I feel like it's a bit of my, a bit my muse as well. You know, sure. it's, it's, it's something that's like, okay, what do you have to say today? I need to Correct. listen to the guitar. It has a voice as well, right? Yeah, I, I, it really does. Yeah, it really yep. does. I've seen you pick in a Martin in some of your videos. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if Martin was the go-to manufacturer for you acoustically, or do you have no loyalty to one or talk to me a little bit about uh, the, the go-to instrument for you. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the guitar, you know, it's a, it's a great guitar. You know, I've, 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 I've had a ton of hours with it and, you know, Martin does a great job building a fabulous acoustic guitar. And there's a ton of great brands though. I would say that, that I am you no know, diehard with any of them. I mean, I, when I played electric, I think I was more partial to being a Fender guy, but I love the Gibson as well. You know, I think those were kind of the main that I, that I mess around with for electrics. And, um, as far as acoustics go, you know, it was always, I wanted to get a really high end tailor. Okay. Um, but you know, some of the limitation will be how much money you have in the bank. So I think, you know, <laughs> if, if that's ever not an issue, yeah, we'll, we'll see, man. There might be a, 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 a real big variety of, of different, uh, brands. Well, I have a great 814 hanging on the wall right there. You're welcome to play it if you ever make your way to Houston. So uh, I'll take you up on that. That's yeah. the uh, that's the flagship for for Taylor. I've I've been a Taylor player for ever. Everything I play on stage is is Taylor, and um, I bought a 714 CE Sassafras. I mean, needless to say, the, the, the instrument sounds amazing, but the look of it is equally as appealing. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, you know, I've, I've been a Taylor player for a long time, but I've always thought, you know, if I, if I wasn't partial to Taylor, what would I play if I had, you know, if money was no issue? And I wanted to yeah. ask that question yeah. of you, like, if you could just be given or gifted a or money was no object and you could get any acoustic you wanted. Do you have that one in mind that it would be this particular one or this particular brand? You know, I, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a gearhead. Like I, I, I don't know most things when it comes down to the, okay. to the instruments. I mean, when it, when it, for me, it's just always about the feel. It's always about the sound. Uh, do I feel like I've got a nice connection with the instrument that I'm sure that I'm playing? Um, that, that, that's more where I stand, you know, something really more simple, okay. simple minded, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a lot of people are like that, you know, and sometimes the, the least expensive of guitars, depending on the player, you, you don't have to have an expensive guitar to sound good. Like I've seen guys on no. YouTube that have literally gone into a Walmart 
picked up a, a plastic Hello Kitty guitar, and you've probably seen the same videos, and just start ripping on this little $39 guitar, and it sounds just as amazing, you know, because they know how to play yeah. the guitar, right? And uh, so it, it just goes to to show you, you don't you don't have to have a $10,000 guitar for it to, to sound amazing or, or to touch somebody no. even, even yeah. more importantly. Right. Yeah. And sometimes to be, to be quite honest, uh, the, you know, the instruments that are maybe a little bit cheaper, I, I almost prefer them to a degree. You know, there's, there's some, uh, there's something to the, the humble instrument, you know, I mean, sure. it's, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, maybe it's just because I, I, I feel like I connect more with that than something super high end. Sure. And it doesn't hurt as bad when you knock it into something <laughs> and knock a big old dent in it, right? Yeah, yeah. You're cool, you're cool with giving it a little extra. Exactly. Yeah. 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 The more the more it looks like Trigger and Willie's Martin, the better, right? You know, the more beat up it looks. Have you been thinking that you may need a little exercise in your daily routine while having a little fun doing it? I may have the solution. Hey, it's Randy Holsey here with Backstage Pass Radio. And about six months ago, I purchased an electric bike from Ecotrick and just thought about using it as a way to kind of get the blood flowing a few days a week. And to my surprise, I find myself on the bike just about every day. Not only am I getting a little exercise each day, but I'm also having a fun time seeing the neighborhood and maybe some areas that I probably would never have seen before I got the bike. Today, my family owns four of these EcoTrick bikes, and we're looking to add a few more soon. Make sure to check out the link in the description below for more details. Well, back in 2016, you recorded, I think, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think you recorded, this was your first EP with Juno award-winning producer uh, Russell Broom. Is that is that correct? Called uh, Cry in Your Sleep. Am I correct there? Yeah, you're right. I did I did record another EP with Russ in 2011, 2012. Okay. Um, but it was something, it was kind of, uh, it didn't really do much of, of anything. Um, you know, I wasn't really pushing the music super hard uh, during that time. But... Um, yeah, so so 2016 with Cry in Your Sleep, that was when I really started, you know, uh, putting my boots to the ground and, and music was my intention. And I was, you know, I quit my full-time job and I was like, I'm just, I have to, you know, go for this and focus mm-hmm. on only this. But Russ, Russ is incredible. You know, I've been working with him for 10 plus years. Um, so many people obviously like to work with Russell because not only is he probably one of the best guitarists I've ever witness but he's also a fantastic human so that makes a massive difference especially in an industry where that might be a little bit more rare i agree i agree and then i think uh fast forward a couple of years 2018 you released an ep called it's okay i think that one took on more a little more of a country flair for you did am am i Mm -hmm. correct there yeah oh definitely yeah, I mean, country was always always there for me. You know, I mean, of course, I was born in, in Colorado and we spent a lot of years in Texas, um, so I had a lot of influence. You know, things like George George Strait or Garth Brooks. I mean, there was a lot of influence. Johnny Cash. So it was always there. But the thing is, is I I I like to write everything, so I just never really felt like I wanted to, you know, pigeonhole myself into. Any- any genre in particular, but sure. I love country. I mean, yeah. country is, is wonderful storytelling. It's got so much raw 
humility behind it, uh, which I always uh, really enjoy. And, and I just love the sound, you know, I mean, you want to, you want to hear some of the best guys in the world play their instruments. That's country music. Yeah. I mean, they're incredible. Yeah. So yeah, that one was a lot more, was a lot more country. And, and, you know, I, I think country, like I said, has always, always been there as well. And, and of course, crying or sleep was, was very pop, uh, pop heavy. And, mm-hmm. and then I went into something that was a bit more, a bit more authentic, I guess. Not that the other stuff was disingenuous, but it's just, like I said, country has that different vibe to it. Sure. Well, I, I know that when I started playing out professionally again, I think it was back in 2016, I've always been the rock guy, right? Lo- love yeah. classic rock and just just always the rock guy. Never really much much by way of, of country music. Not that I didn't like it. I just I just never got into it, right? It wasn't it wasn't my bag. And I found out real quick that if you're going to go out and play as a solo artist or in a duo, you're going to have to cover some songs in multiple genres, right? Just to kind of keep the attention of the listener. And I, so I started listening to country more and more and more. And then I got into this Americana genre and I tell you, it's, it's, I'll always love rock the most, but I have really fallen in love with country much for the reasons that you say it's the storytelling is like to me second to none. There's such great stories and so much vulnerability and, and a lot of pain. And you know, it's it's I don't know, may, maybe I'm just a sap for the the melancholy dark <laughs> stuff. Like I don't know. I, I but I've always been drawn to that. And so I resonate really well with the with the sad old country songs. Yeah, well you know, I think I think Part of that is, I mean, if you sit down and, and you're you're meeting somebody for the first time and they, they sit down and they tell you, oh, you know, yeah, life has been really good to me. Everything's been nice and I've had a pretty linear life and, you know, everything's been fairly easy. Uh, you know, or you sit down and talk with somebody that, that takes you through like, wow, it's been it's been really rough and I've had all these, you know, insane experiences and it's been really tough and I was depressed and I was dealing with, you know, suicide or something automatically you're interested in what they're saying. Sure. It's something Absolutely. that's pulling you in. It's real. I mean, that's yeah. what, that's what a lot of country music does. And, and I think the issue for a lot of people, because there are a lot of people that say, Oh, I can't stand country music. It's like, no, you can't stand like a part of country music. Right. And, and, um, you know, there, there are people like, actually my producer turned me on to him was, uh, like Jason Isbell. Oh, uh, you know, he's probably my love favorite love songwriter of absolutely. all time. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's absolutely incredible. I mean, his, his lyrics, uh, you know, his voice, his, his guitar chops. I mean, you know, you get super yes. jealous of people like, you know, John Mayer does the same, sure. same crap where you're just yeah. like, come on, you can't be good at all of it. Some are, some are. They prove, yeah, they prove that so. theory wrong many times, right? You got, totally. you do have the Keith Urbans and, you know, those types yeah. of guys that are, they're phenomenal players. Yeah. They can be session musicians as well as yes. their own artists. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is wild. Um, but uh, yeah, and it's funny you say that too because I, uh, if you if you ask me what I listen to the most personally, it's it's metal. So I've okay. always been a metal head. Okay. Um, so it, you know, it was something that it, you know eventually down the road I'd like to like to do something more with that. You mean you can't really be a metal solo artist? So <laughs> <laughs> well, you could, but you could, but you'd probably have nobody listening to you. Yeah, right? you definitely wouldn't. No, they'd, they'd be throwing you out of the street. Uh, That's quick, right. So they wouldn't have to worry about your guest list because there wouldn't no. be anybody on it. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, you'd be busking from then on. For sure you <laughs> would. Well, that's that's really interesting that you uh, that you dropped Jason Isbell's name because I, like you, would concur 150%. Jason Isbell in the 400 unit, mm, probably, yeah. probably hands down the best songwriter out there, in, in my humble yeah. opinion, right? And that dude... His songs are just, I mean, they're, they're amazing. You listen to a song like vampire by him, like the meaning of that song is just, it it, it just, it's out there, you know, it's really cool. So it's cool to find a like-minded musician that, that appreciates uh, stuff like Jason Isbell is doing. Uh, Oh man. If you, if you listen to elephant and you don't feel, then you're dead inside. Sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, it, yeah, uh, yeah. He, he's he's brilliant, man. He's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, you, it's a dream of mine now, actually. To to hopefully one day, I'd love to sit down and actually get to write with that guy. Wouldn't but that we'll be see cool? What happens? Yeah, it would be. It would be pretty. Uh, yeah, you know, you'd be jumping and screaming inside, but you try to play it cool. It'd be yeah, one of those situations. for sure. You'd be like a little schoolgirl, right? Getty <laughs> little schoolgirl. I think you answered the question, but I'll, I'll ask it again. If I ask you what your wheelhouse genre is, well, maybe wheelhouse is probably the question would be a little elusive. I think is metal. Like if you, if you were marooned on a desert Island and you had one genre of music, what would be the music you kept on the Island with you? Like for my own stuff or others? No, just my, my what you stuff. would be listening to. What genre would it be? Would it be country that you got to listen to the rest of your life? Or would it be metal, rock? What What would it be for David Bradford? Yeah, that's a, that's a hard question. If it's for writing, then no. I would probably have to say country. Okay. No, for listening. Just listening. Oh, for listening. Yeah. Oh, sure. So, sorry, I, I, I should have like been a little more concise. No, that's okay. Uh, that's... Oh yeah, that's that's Sophie's choice right there. I mean, that's right. that's like me looking at metal and then looking at uh, <laughs> looking at country and being like, ah. Well, you know, I mean, I guess I'd have to say what I listen to the most, and that would be metal. Well, I would have never guessed that about you. You know, no, that's funny. No, you can't. Probably. I always say you can't judge a book by its cover, but we have this predefined notion of what people are like or what they might yeah. like, and. You know, the, the tattoos are one thing, right? But I've, I've learned to not label people by tattoos for sure, right? Yeah, but yeah, but I, I would have, I would have, being a songwriter, I, I never would have guessed metal for you. So uh, there was no right or wrong answer to the question. Yeah, it was, yeah, I'm just course, curious yeah. where you might, where your head might have been uh, from, a, from a genre perspective. I would love to share a recently released single from you, a song called Someone. Let me treat the listeners to a short clip of that song and then we'll come back and chat about it. Fair enough? Yeah, that sounds good. All right. You know you like a drug spiking my adrenaline Electric with touch but I can't keep giving in I was just leaving once you get your fix
song i i love the song I've, I've listened to it kind of at nauseum the last few days which is totally not a bad thing i i tend to oh, do great. that it's it's interesting because some of the music that i listen to from my guest some of the songs don't hit me right away but i listen and i continue to listen and then it's like oh this is my favorite song right they become quickly a favorite song the more i listen this was a song that I mean, it jumped right out at me from the beginning, right? I enjoyed oh, it awesome. from, from, the, from the beginning. And I noticed that your music doesn't have much by way of walls. And when I say that, I notice some of your stuff sounds pop. Some of it sounds country. Some of it, there's an R&B and a hip-hop flair to it, right? And I was going to ask you, is it easy for you to kind of slide in and out of these genres because most most songwriters are stuck kind of whether they want to say that they don't like to be bound by parameters or walls they're either a country artist or they're not right but i see that you kind of slide in between the genres is that pretty easy for you to do yeah, it is. Um, you know, and it's something that that has has almost been you know told to me as a bit of the the bane of my career is is having you know oh, okay, well, what's your audience? And I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to be stubborn about it, but but I'm also not going to ignore my inspirations or what I want to do creatively. I can say, honestly, I don't really care uh, what success comes as far as monetary value. I mean, it would be great, you know, but uh, just because of what it allows you to do with it. But to me, it's more important for my spiritual currency. So, you know, I, I love all of those, all of those styles of music. So mm -hmm. why not write them? And sure. for me too, it's, it's like, you know, you treat songwriting or your voice kind of like you do your guitar. And I mean, you know, if, if, if somebody grabbed an electric guitar and just gave it the same sound all the time, never distort it, no effects, nothing like that, it gets a little bit boring. And, sure. and so for me, you know, I, I want to hear it all. I want to hear everything that you've got. Exactly. Um, and that's the case for me. I, I, you know, and and uh, I love the variety. I mean, as you can tell, I, I love all different kinds of music. So if for me, it doesn't alienate me as a listener when, you know, an artist puts out something that's different or, right. or it's not exactly what they've done before, as long as it's sincere, you know, it's not something they're trying to do. It's not contrived. Right. Um, Fabricated. You hear that right away. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's, it's so real because it's, uh, it's stuff that I, you know, I put my, my heart into every single song that I write or I don't write it or I don't put it out. So, yeah, I, I think it's and it's a lot of fun to do that as well. Yeah. But you can even hear, like for instance, on someone. I mean, it's more of a pop song, but yeah. I could easily transition to country. Yeah. I mean, you can turn that no problem. I mean, there's definitely you can always kind of hear a little bit of that influence. And so I think it's cool when when I I, I will draw components from those other genres that I love and put it into the box, right? Because we all like to define things. We all right. like to have these definitions. Sure. When you're writing 
though. When, when you're, you come up with this melody, you're sitting there with the guitar, you come up with this little melody line. Do you know at that time what life that song's going to take on from a genre perspective? Like, oh, this is going to be a pop song or oh, this is going to be a country song. Or do you just continue the process and it creates the life on its own? Or do you force the life that it becomes? No, I, I definitely don't force anything. I, I don't like doing that at all. But I, I think I pretty much bounce around between everything you said. You know, I mean, sometimes it's it's like, yeah, that's totally, uh, totally a pop song. Or yes, this is totally going to be a country song. Or I'll, you know, because I'll, I'll adjust my voice accordingly depending on, you know, the genre that I'm yeah. trying to write or perform. But I've also had it happen where, you know, yeah, my intention was for it to be a certain genre and it, mm-hmm. it actually turned into something else. Sure. But I mean, it's just like, you know, sometimes you'll write a song and you, and you think you know what it's about and it's not that at all. Or I'll be writing a song and I'll say, I have no idea what this is about. And then I finish the song and I go, oh, this is what it's about. Yeah. So, and I'm sure you're o- mostly staying open. I was going to say, you're, I'm sure you're okay with that too. If it, if it goes oh, a yeah. different way, you know, it, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Right. And I, and I've even done things where I, I've thought to myself, I, I love this song, but not for me, you yeah, know? And so I, I just kind of bolster yeah. it and I say, I, I have an idea of an artist that I'd like to, to fit into or whatever. And, and, you know, that song will sit there until maybe the day it's, it, it sees the light of day. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Or if it just remains a private song and I'm for sure. I wanted to share another clip. We're going to go back a couple of years in, in, the, in the Bradford vault. It's a song that is called It Ain't Right. Let's take a quick mm-hmm. listen to that, share that with the listeners, and then we'll come back and chat about that one. Cool? Sounds good. All right. I had a cold shower What felt like an hour and pour myself a cup of black coffee I drove out to her parents The tension was apparent Sat down on the porch and had iced tea She said, you know I love you I've tried to stick it through But I can't do this anymore It just ain't fair My red eyes were filling up She had finally had enough I've pushed away the last person that cares She hated to say With tears in her eyes She's tired of the cheating and the lies But I ain't got a problem I can stop at any time I think it's just you that don't love me right Oh, it ain't right Another great song there. Now, this this is a song that takes on a country life, right? The, the vocal is totally different. The vocal is completely changed from the song Someone to this song. It almost sounds like a completely different person. And I believe that... Th- this song resonates with me because it's a song that I feel like is in my wheelhouse. In fact, I, I was going to tell you, I'm, I'm adding it to my songs to learn catalog so I can cover it at some of my shows. And I was wondering if you're capoing, oh, are, awesome. you, are you capoing in the song? Or are you playing it 
Do you remember? I'm pretty sure it's standard. Okay. Yeah, from what I can remember off the top of my head. And are you standard tuning on the guitars? Like I tune all my guitars yeah. down a half step. I didn't know I, if you... I'm a half step down. Okay. I, that's I like mine a half step down as well, yeah. but uh, I'm pretty sure that one was played in. Okay. Standard. Good to know. And and I wanted to ask you where you pulled inspiration uh, for this particular song. Where did it come from for you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, and just, just so you know, that... Um, that is that is Russell Broom playing the guitar as well. Okay. So, awesome. yeah. So yeah, he's he's so good. Uh, I let him. You know, if somebody's better, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this this is uh, I, I love this song. You know, I've I've cried listening to the song before. It's such a powerful track, and and you know, I mean, of course, you don't like to define it too much just because I, I, I like people to have their own interpretations for the song. But, you know, when I, when I pictured the characters in this, this song, I, you know, I had a really clear visual for everybody. And, you know, what I, what I saw as far as the, the um, protagonist who could be the antagonist, I guess that's open to interpretation as well. But, but the, the guy that's singing, you know, I always thought in my head that he was a veteran. And, you know, he came back and, and he's been with this, this woman for, for 10, 10 years and, you know, she stood by him, and, but he didn't come back whole, you know, and I pulled in some of my uh, bad experiences with, with dealing with some, some alcoholism and stuff and, you know, with dealing with, uh, you know, attempted suicides and whatnot. So there was a lot for me to draw from. And, you know, th- this, this guy just comes back and he's lost. He, he doesn't know know how to get found um, he's trying but in the process he's he's creating more collateral damage to everybody around him the people that he loves and he keeps he keeps not taking accountability and, and placing the blame on everybody else around him but then as you can see if you you know when you listen to the whole song you see how the the story progresses and he ends up finally coming to terms with that everything's inside of him that is that is damaged and is wrong so it's not everybody else that, that doesn't doesn't get it right. Yeah. And so at the end, you know, I mean, it's obviously very very sad ending, but you know, he he ends up taking his own his own life mm-hmm. because he feels like there's just no way for him to to quell the pain that's going on within, and uh, you know, he can't satisfy that with all the booze in the world, all the women in the world. Sure. It's a tough song. But the interesting thing about those those types of songs is they're, for me at least, they're extremely cathartic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's something where you feel that despair that we've all felt in, in some degree. For sure. Maybe not to that extreme, but we've all been there in a sense. Yeah. And so I think, you know, that giving that listener that sense of you're, you're not alone mm-hmm. in that feeling. I mean, because we, we like to kind of hurdle over, you know, difficult subjects like that. Sure. We like to ignore things like that. And, yes. And I think when you put a spotlight on it uh, musically, it's it's something that, that can be really healing for, you know, whoever's listening. Yeah. And I um, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but I did, I did want to make mention about one thing. I would always say that my, my questions are never to pull out a past from somebody that they don't want to talk about. But I wanted to thank you for being open about some of the challenges that you've had, some of the dark times, the suicidal things. 
you like I like a lot of people. We, you know, I've I've fought anxiety and depression all my life, right? And mm-hmm. it's it's something that I'm not embarrassed to talk about. It's it's a it's a you know, it's, it's life. Right. And, uh, so I appreciate your openness to talk about the things that you want to talk about. Right. Because I I think people want to sweep that stuff under the rug. And sometimes healing comes from just being open and talking about those things and writing music about those things. Right. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like a wound, right. Wound needs air, needs oxygen to heal. And I think it's the same thing. I mean, Actually, Travis Meadows has a great lyric uh, where he says, push it down, it comes out sideways. Mm. And I I love that because it's so true. I mean, if you want to pervert or distort or bend something to it's twisted up, then don't talk about it. Absolutely. Don't push it down. Keep it hidden from the light. Absolutely. So, yeah, no, I have, I have no, you know, I think part of it might be the fact that, that I'm a songwriter, but I have no problem talking about pretty much anything yeah. I mean, because, because it's, it's something I do through my, my music. So Absolutely. It's, it's not, it's not a hard thing for yeah. me to do. It's not yeah, a mystery. Know. It's not a mystery, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> no, well, definitely not. Well, I wanted to switch gears just a little bit on you and chat mm-hmm. about the other art that you're drawn to. And I'm referring to the art of tattooing. Oh, yeah. uh, and, and, and it appears that we have multiple things in common that I've learned, <laughs> the music and the tattoos. Do, do you remember the, uh, the first tattoo you ever got? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the first one I got is actually covered up now, which, is which, which isn't that rare of a thing. <laughs> but, yeah, the first tattoo I got was kind of this cheesy tattoo design that I, I had come up with when I was 17 and was with my brother and we just had, you know, some, we had two cross broad swords and it said blood brothers on it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's why it's covered up now. Right. It seemed <laughs> yeah, cool so, at the time, right? <laughs> it seemed really cool for your first tattoo. That's right, man. We were just, we were just stoked to have ink. I think he had already had uh, one or two before that, but, but yeah, so I, you know, from, from that point on, I was just obsessed with them. Um, you know, it was, it's something that, you know, I could spend a ton of money on and it's, <laughs> it's one of those things that you do take with you to your grave. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> and I don't know, man, like tattoos are, it's one of my favorite things, uh, to get, to get done on, on the body. It, uh, I love fresh ink. It's, 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 it, you know, and, and again, it's another form of, of self-expression and creativity. And, 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 and for me, I mean, everybody has their own thing, but, uh, my tattoos tell a, a bit of a story and, you know, it's part of who I am and it, sure. it has the, the bad stuff, but the good stuff it has the duality of me. Right. So absolutely. Um, yeah. I'll, you know, once I get enough dough, man, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's go time. Be, huh? <laughs> it's going to be pretty much head to toe. I might stay away from the face, but I don't know. I never say never anymore. So <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that I'd go the face route or the neck route. Like I, you know, I've always said, I got to draw the line somewhere, but, uh, I, I was going to ask you: Is there is there a theme for the for the sleeves on your arms? Mm-hmm. Is is there a theme going on there, or were these tattoos that you've gotten over the years and you've and you've um, basically tied them together right with filler? Yeah. So um, a lot of my tattoos are uh, demons. Okay. So I've I've always been pretty obsessed with the dark side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I mean, I'm, I'm a very lighthearted person in a lot of ways and I'm a very sensitive individual. It's not like I'm, I'm a hard person, but I, I love the darkness and, you know, I mean, 
there's a song that I have uh, on my uh, on my Spotify on my streaming services called A Little Light, and it's uh, you know one of the lyrics says a lot of dark for a little light, you know, and for me, I you know I kind of fell in love with the darkness, I guess, and, and not in a bad way, but just in a way that it it really it really shows you who you are and it really defines you and it, and it builds the character. And, you know, so for me, and then, like I said, with my, my upbringing and, and whatnot, it was, it was something that I struggled with, uh, was religion. And, yeah. um, so yeah, so it, it runs, it runs through and it, it tells uh, a bit of a, a story of, of some of the issues that I struggled with. And yeah. it's something that I almost, you know, it was like, I didn't want to be afraid of my demons. I wanted to look at them. Yeah. Yeah, you can't run from everything, right? No, if anything, that's that's the last thing you want to do. You want to face as much as you can head on. Yeah. Because it finds you eventually. Yeah, it does for sure. Yeah. I also thought, man, we, we must be these probably kindred spirits is probably not the right term to use, but... We, I have more in common with you than I, you know, you, you never know until you get to talking to someone like what you yeah. have in common. And I'm drawn to, like I mentioned earlier, that melancholy or that, or that dark, darker stuff. And, you know, a lot of Jason Isbell stuff is very dark, mm-hmm. um, so. you know, being an alcoholic for many years and that type of thing coming, coming out of that darkness. You know, my, my wife, Terry has has more times than not said, are you really going to play that song tonight at your show? As I'm trying to map out, like, what, what am I in the mood to play tonight? And I'm like, she's like, you need some upbeat stuff. It's Friday night. You need some, you know, upbeat. And I'm like, Terry, you don't get it. You, you don't get it. Like a, 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 an artist doesn't just go play happy music just because he thinks that's what everybody wants to hear. He goes and he sings from the heart. What, what is he feeling that day? If it's upbeat, then by all means play upbeat. But sometimes I just don't feel that right. Sometimes I want to be in this, you know, down state. And uh, I'm not saying that it's a depressed state. I'm just saying that sometimes those songs just speak volumes, even though they're a little on the darker side, you, you just take them at yeah. face value. And I, I don't know if you concur with that or, or, or what, but um, it, it seems like we're a lot alike in the type mm-hmm. of music and that type of thing. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, it usually, it usually has death to it you know i mean and the the fun stuff is fun you know it's great it's actually always it's always kind of uh cool to to put in the really uh deep dark stuff with those happier melodies or uh so you can get away with some of that sometimes uh, where you get that message across but people don't realize they're just like oh i'm just having a great time and this guy's talking about killing himself (laughs) (laughs) i tried to tell terry it's not every night is not a bruno mars night okay i'm sorry i'm (laughs) just not not everybody wants to dance every night of the week okay well, you know, and you know what, it's sometimes too, it's just maybe a couple of songs where, you know, people just get deep for a little bit and that's all right too. And then sure. you have some of that contrast and you pull them back in. Right? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I usually try to do that myself. I mean, I, I probably don't play it ain't right at the bar just because there's going to be some people getting pretty maudlin if I start playing something like that. But, sure. uh, but you know, I might, I'll throw in some of my, my darker stuff and, and, uh, like I've got one song that, uh, it's very Johnny Cash inspired and it's, okay. it's called I devil and it's, okay. it's a cool story. You know, it's about, it's about murder. It's about betrayal. It's about the death penalty. It's all stuff, okay. all kinds of stuff in it. But, 
Uh, and I play that one, and people, people, you know, they 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 link up to it. So yeah, that's you good. never know, right? Yeah. So what's what is next by way of tattoos? Is it so? Do you have something in mind like the next time you get a paycheck? Right? What's the next <laughs> tattoo? What's the next tattoo for you, man? Oh, I wish I have so many more things I have to pay before I can do something like that. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's got. Yeah, I do have the order mapped out. It's it's going to be my other hand next, and then it's going to be my neck after that, and okay. then it's it's the big real estate, and I'm going to the back. Going to the back. Going to the back. But yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be probably like 10, 10 grand or more. So that's oh, yeah. going to be a while. Yeah. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of people, I, I had that conversation with you the other night. It's like, you know, people will say, uh, what, what did you pay for, you know, the tattoo? Like, you know, they look at your arms and they have this, I guess, this notion that, oh, it's, you know, maybe a thousand bucks or something yeah, like that. Right. It's like, yeah, no, it's like both arms. Yeah, we're about 180 hours in times 150. You you have a calculator on your phone. You do the yeah. math and you tell me if it was a thousand dollars. Right now. Yeah. If you have a good artist, they'll cut you some breaks along the way. If you're sitting in that chair, you know, four or five hours at a time with them. But uh, largely it's uh it's pretty it's an expensive hobby to get into for sure right? it, it definitely it definitely is but i will say at least you know when you're when you are dropping that kind of coin uh there's not a lot of things you can spend that kind of money and, and have it for the rest of your life as long as you don't you know cut it off with a saw or something like that absolutely <laughs> that would be tragic yeah. for many reasons i'm fortunate like so i started mine late late in life I, I didn't go out, you know, in my younger years and just do one here, one there kind of thing. So I had, I, I guess, brand new canvas when I walked in three years ago. That's and awesome. uh, so so one arm is uh, a music theme and the other one is a Japanese theme, you know, so mm-hmm. that's kind of. So they're all flowing, and uh, I never just went into a tattoo shop and said, um, "Give me a three, you know, on the wall." Right? I never, yeah, I never did that. Now, you know, I from a young age, I wanted, I always knew I wanted tattoos, but I guess I was distracted somewhere along the line. So all this rigmarole didn't start for me until about four or five years ago. So I don't know what's next. I don't know, you know, what I'll do, but. Uh, you know, I was going so frequently with my sleeves. I kind of uh, fast tracked my sleeves and did both arms and probably right under two and a half years. And yeah, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. And there were some sessions where I literally sat for eight hours at a time. And I can remember, well, when I did that twice and that's retarded to do that, by the way. So <laughs> I'm just saying, but it, it's so funny that when I started it, you know, you get, you get so pumped up to go, you're looking forward to the new stuff, you know, what's Mm -hmm. it, how's it gonna, you know, come about today and you go and you sit for four, five, six hours and you walk out, you're feeling like a million bucks and dude, I'm telling you, man, towards the end, my, my, you know, my last say 10 sessions, it was an ass whipping to get in the car and go like, like, my brain had checked out, like I'm, I'm done with, like, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. And I literally couldn't sit for much more than an hour and a half, two hours yeah. every time yeah. I'd go. So I think it's, it's a, you have to be in a mental state to just sit and get ground on for, for that long. You know, some people will say, oh, tattoos don't hurt. And then some say, oh, my gosh, they hurt so bad. 
there, there's nothing fun about a tattoo. I don't care how you look <laughs> at it, right? Anybody that says, oh, they're no big deal uh, would be lying to you, I think. But yeah, I think my brain just kind of checked out there at the end. So I'm, I'm kind of glad for now that I'm, I'm just done for a while. I'm, I'll probably get yeah. a wild hair. There's, I'm, I'm like you, you know, they're tough to not do anymore, but I, I think I'm fairly content for just right now. So <laughs> we'll yeah, see. It's, it's hard, man. You know, it all depends on where you're getting it done. Cause obviously some people that, that say they don't hurt. Well, yeah, if you're getting it on your shoulder, it's no big deal. Yeah. But you know, you're going to some of the other places on the body, like, you know, your elbow ditch or, Ooh. you know, <laughs> your stomach, yeah. things like that. They, they, they do not feel very good, no. but, uh, yeah. And part of it too, I think for you is, is you know, once, uh, once the needle goes across it, those nerve endings are already awake. So when you go back in, it's, it's 10 times worse than it was. Oh yeah. First one. So. Yeah. I re- I remember that, that ditch area right there and the bend of the arm yeah. sucking really bad. And then of course yeah. the elbows, I, I think for both elbows, I was in the fetal position on both of those uh, without a doubt. That's what they call the elbow, right? <laughs> the elbow. That's exactly <laughs> it. Well, tell me, tell me what's coming up for you as it relates to new music shows, Getting out of BC to play, is there any thoughts or ideas around that? Talk to me a little bit about, you know, just open forum for you from a music perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so as far as, as performing, you know, I, I'm, I'm just planning on staying local for a while. Um, you know, maybe at some point. I, I've kind of tried to get into more of a sync licensing when it comes to music. Okay. Um, so I have a bunch of stuff that are signed with some sync agencies. You know, I'd like to get into TV film. Um, you know, maybe at some point if, if things happen that way, I wouldn't mind doing some touring, you know, if, if something gets picked up. Um, but right now I'm just, just focus on, you know, the, the local stuff Okay. and continuing to try and get placements. Um, but you know, right now I just finished up, uh, we just had the final mix come in, uh, yesterday or day before yesterday for a song called losing love. And, um, it's uh, not to say anything against anything I've done before, but it, it's it's got to be my new all-time favorite uh, song that I've created. Oh, nice. uh, collaborated with um, a guy named Will Carpenter. Uh, he's out of uh, L.A. And it, he just did an unbelievable job. And this song is, is just incredibly powerful. Um, it's one of those songs where, you know, you want to go tell it on a mountain. Sure. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's up there for me. I think from, from every perspective, it's, it's kind of, um, it's kind of a revolutionary song in my opinion. I'm obviously I'm, I may be biased, but, uh, there's just so much going on in it. It has so many influences and the story is just, is great. I think it'll speak to a lot of people as it does to me and, and to Will, but I'm really excited for that. So I'm hoping we're right in the process of getting it mastered in the final stages there. And then I'm hoping to have this release in the next few months. So, but I'll keep that, I'll keep all that posted up on my, uh, on my Instagrams. So. Yeah, for sure. And, and speaking of Instagram, where can the listeners find you on social media? And I don't know if you're doing anything by way of uh, merch or even uh, music sales. I know you stream on a lot of the uh, platforms, but mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit about social media. And if there's merch or stuff for sale that you can tell the listeners about. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any, any merchandise that I'm selling. I mean, for the most part, I just want people to, to listen, um, you know, and if it's something that they feel inclined to do and they, they want to find a way to, to help out, 
then you know Spotify has a contribution link. Um, okay. So you can always do that if if people really appreciate it. But I mean, you know, nowadays uh, music has changed so much, and, and you know, it used to be if you had a million streams, you had a million bucks, but it's just not the case anymore. Um, <laughs> now you, you know, might have I'm, three three dollars for a million streams, right, <laughs> or something right. like that. It's crazy. Yeah, oh. yeah, that's right, man. Um, but yeah, so I mean, uh, you can go on Spotify, Apple Music, any major streaming uh, service. And I think I've I've got something like thirteen tracks or something somewhere okay. around there. They're floating around that people can just listen to. And I uh, yeah, DG Bradford for my Instagram handle. Um, okay, and then just David Bradford on any any streaming service that okay. any listener prefers. Awesome, awesome. Well, David, listen, I I really appreciate you chatting with me today. Thank you for that. Uh, It's it's been really nice. Uh, Keep the music coming, and I'll be on the lookout for it. And happy holidays to to you and your family there in B.C. And if you ever find your way down in the the South Texas neck of the woods, look me up for sure. And I'll, I'll get you to put a John Hancock on that, that guitar on the wall for me there. And maybe we'll play a few, play a few songs together. Um, so yeah, thanks. Nice talking to you. Uh, yeah, uh, as always, I ask the listeners to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast and also make sure to follow David on all of his social media outlets. You can find the show on Facebook at Backstage Pass Radio Podcast, on Instagram at Backstage Pass Radio, Twitter at Backstage Pass PC, and on the website at BackstagePassRadio.com. Thank you for tuning in and uh, take care of yourselves and each other. And we'll see you right back here on the next episode of Backstage Pass Radio. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Backstage Pass Radio. Make sure to follow Randy on Facebook and Instagram at Randy Halsey Music and on Twitter at R Halsey Music. Also make sure to like, subscribe, and turn on alerts for upcoming podcasts. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to share the link with a friend and tell them Backstage Pass Radio is the best show on the web for everything music. We'll see you next time right here on Backstage Pass Radio. Backstage Pass Radio.